0: Hi everyone, it's Dina McKay, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast that allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you, the listener. On each episode, the guest talks about how they got into tech, their work in the industry, and lessons they've learned during their journey. You can find full show notes for this episode on blacktechunplugged.com. On this episode, I have Terry Green Mason. She is a transformational DIO with over 14 years of experience in tech. Terry has worked in telecommunications, educational institutions, and technology services, but her current focus is cybersecurity. So during today's episode, we discuss what it means to be a CIO and the responsibilities that come with her role, how to handle being laid off, the power of positive words, and much more. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you do, make sure to rate and subscribe to Black Tech Unplugged today. Before we jump into the episode, I do want to mention one thing. So Black Tech Unplugged is trying to get back to South by Southwest next year. There's a panel that I have put together called Code Switching, Lifestyle or Necessary Evil. The panel will include three other people. We're going to talk about code switching in a corporate environment. So basically, we'll have a conversation about the effects of code switching and why it's not necessarily a bad thing and whether it's actually still necessary. And also we want to define what code switching is because there's a lot of talk about code switching, but no one has defined it and no one actually explains how it's being used within the workplace. So what I need you to do is go to the panel picker, which is in the description as well as the show notes. I need you to create an account and vote up on this panel. It would help me and the panelists out a ton and I would greatly appreciate it. So not only do you listen to this episode today and enjoy it, but make sure to vote for the panel for South by Southwest. All right. That's all I have for you. So let's go ahead and jump into the episode. So let's get it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I'm here with a brand new guest. Terry, how are you doing today?
1: I am just peachy.
0: So Terry, for my listeners who do not know who you are, why don't you give a, a synopsis, just your full name and the current role that you hold?
1: So I am Terry Lyric Green-Manson. Um, I'm the CIO I'm currently at my my job, and I've been in leadership about eight years now.
0: So Terry, in your current role, you are CIO. Want to give an overview of what your job entails and some of the responsibilities that you hold?
1: Um, I think... From a, a short standpoint, being able to help create that strategic overview, the guide, the operation um, in the best possible light, and make sure it kind of tie back to our uh, strategic goals. Um, making sure I get my team uh, as effective and efficient as possible um, by putting certain processes and procedures in place, um, and then making sure it propagates throughout the rest of the organization with some professional development. But listen, I'm over cybersecurity, I'm over regular um, IT, and I think. The the coolest part about it all is being able to take people where they are and help them evolve into where they desire to be. And I and I always say, if you ask me um, what I do, I'll tell you every day. I do the best thing in, that anybody can do in technology, and it's help people grow.
0: Yes, I love it. A lot of people forget about that aspect of tech of like, we're really here to help people and help companies and organizations grow. And there is a way that you could still do that, you know, with pure intentions, because as we know, tech gets a little murky sometimes. What? I never noticed. <laughs> I have to ask. So a lot of people talk about wanting to be in the C-suite, right? And as we know, we have a microwave culture where we think we could get there immediately. But from your perspective, I want to know, did you ever see yourself getting into like a CIO role?
1: Um, it wasn't a dream, but I did see it happen. Um, I realized very quickly that I moved to uh, um, in the industry really, really quickly. And a lot of people were drawn to me. Um, I used to blame it. Don't give me, listen, I'm into meditation. I used to be like, Oh, I must be in alignment with the stars. Or um, I didn't understand it. So I was trying to make it something bigger to, or weirder than what it was. And it just was people just gravitated towards me um, and it worked in my advantage.
0: Well, actually let's talk about your journey a little bit and get into more detail. So how did you even start off in the tech industry? What was your first role? My
1: first role was an internship um, in Chicago, Illinois, at a a big radio station called WGN Channel 9. Um, And you're going to laugh at this. Don't do this, people. Please don't do this. But I was... I was ready for internship and my college was telling me I had to be a junior. And I was like, well, I'm a freshman and I know I'm ready. So I did something I would never do again. But I filled out the application anyway, since they wouldn't support it. And I put down that I was a junior. Um, And it was was the first year that WGN took two interns. um, And I'll never forget the the guy that I was going against turned around and said, "What school do you go to?" And I said to myself, "It doesn't matter. You're the uh, junior, so I'm the smart one." You know, but I didn't. Um, I didn't. I didn't say it out loud. I think I was really cocky um, at the time, and I'm still cocky now, just in a different way, right? Um, so that was my first internship. By the time I was a a senior, no, I'm sorry, a sophomore, I was actually. Um, it's a project in the city of Chicago. You can build. It's a kiosk. You can pay your light bills and your tickets. I was on that project and I was the only woman on that project. It went really, really well right now. It's still in the city of Chicago locations. It's evolved even more, which is phenomenal to see that she was the beginning of something. And that was probably, you know, it's done became this big deal. Now, even other states such as St. Louis, we have something that's similar to it, but it ain't got nothing on my solution. You know, so um, I'm like, okay, good try. Good good try. Um, So then we have um, after that, by the time I was a junior, this is crazy. I was actually the assistant chief engineer at wow. 107.9 FM Chicago, just from being in broadcast for two years. So I'm one of the people when I get there, I make sure I know everything. And I'll never forget the first uh, thing the chief engineer taught me. He said, I can teach you broadcast. I can't teach you technology. So that's why I'm bringing you in as my assistant chief because you know technology. And I was just um, flabbergasted because I had only been studying it for two years at that point. Um, so that, that led me to believe that this must be my chosen call and in my chosen field. Um, so I stayed in broadcast for about, I don't know, three years. And then I realized I ain't like broadcast. When he wanted me to get up there and clean those uh, them big old coils, and I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm 100 pounds. So if if i get electrocuted up here people uh uh-uh this ain't gonna work right so um i went to a company called sungard and oh my god i completely loved sungard so i went into sungard and i even stepped down because it was to me it wasn't about the money um i used to tell people do what you love and the money you follow and i was a Mm -hmm. firm believer in that even at a very young age Um, And I went inside this this operation. I started out as uh, a tier two tech um, in their operating center, but they were all about disaster recovery and business continuity. And that's when I actually fell in love, fell in love with disaster recovery and business continuity and helping companies understand um, what it really meant for them, right? Just because you back it up don't mean it's sustainable, ma'am. You got to test it. You got (laughs) to make sure you have all the factors in um, and being able to kind of get that ingrained in my brain. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is making sense. Um, and then I was able to figure out that disaster recovery and business continuity with two separate entities. A lot of time when you're talking to companies, they got it in the same plan, but it's really two separate plans that merge, right? Um, because they're contingent upon one another, but they're not the same. They're activated in two different responses. So I'm like, oh my goodness, I just fell in love with it. I was with them for about five years um, and I got laid off. And I think I, I beat the, the third. I didn't get, I got laid off in the third round. So they were being brought out uh, by another company. But mind you, I started as tier two tech. By the time I left them, I was actually a senior Linux administrator. Um, so I had jumped my salary from 47 to 96. Um, so I was really, really, I was like, hey, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. Um, mind you, when I was a, a junior, so this is why I say don't do it for the money, When I was a junior and I was still in college, I was already making 80 grand. So I took a step down because I didn't care about the money. Right. Um, I just knew it was going to happen, whatever was meant for me. Um, And it was a a reason for it. Um, Before you knew it, Terry did what nobody else do. I'm like, I'm not going to work for anybody else because my heart was so broken. I really thought I was going to retire with SunGuard. Mm -hmm. And I started my own um, called Light Technology Solutions, where they only deal with uh, cybercrime. Um, because at behind the scenes, I was always doing things I shouldn't have been doing. um, (laughs) I call it it ethical hacking, but it was being nosy. Um, so trying to figure out how can I protect people that had these weird thoughts like myself behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, so that company ended up turning into something phenomenal. Um, and it's still in operation today. So it started in 2012, um, My wife is the CEO. She's the current CEO. Uh, Originally, I was because I was the only one that was there to start it. And I am the CISO of the operation. Um, We have federal contracting. We're in the federal contracting database. And we do a whole bunch of great things to be able to kind of figure out how we can we can even get companies to get the CMMC certification now, which is kind of cool. But we do assessments, go assess their environment, then give them some recommendations on how they can um, tighten their posture up. So my, the craziest thing, so I was, I was doing all those good things. Um, and at the same time, I still got bored. I got too much energy, right? <laughs> so I was working as a CISO for my company while my wife was doing the, the CEO heavy heavy lifting, getting us new contracting parts, um, and while I was the CIO at somebody else's operation. Um, and the one thing I can say, it made me a better leader Um And it's funny that we use this term leader. So I got a new employee I just hired Mm -hmm. and she literally just sent me a message probably uh, three weeks ago. And she was like, when people ask me about you, uh, it's hard, (laughs) it's hard to respond. So I tell them she is definitely a leader, not my boss. I was Mm like, "Mm." so I think it's, it's good when people can understand the the distinct difference, um, but we have to bring the people mechanics back um, in leadership. And I think, we have been mechanical for so long that sometimes we forget it, right? So that's my that's my history. And now I've been in technology for 17 years, and I've been a C-level person for eight.
0: All right. So we have plenty to unpack in this conversation. So let me start off with being laid off, because especially during when it was the pandemic and people are starting to get back on their feet now, but not everyone has a job. Let's talk about your experience being laid off. You said you were heartbroken.
1: I don't know if it's because I was young or what. <laughs>
0: <laughs> were you under the assumption of like, you know, when companies are like, well, we're your family and, you know, all that good stuff. Or were you was it just because you thought you were going to retire there like that was you felt comfortable there?
1: Well, I, maybe because I thought that I was going to retire there. So I had made a commitment to them. And um, I wouldn't say they didn't make a commitment to you. They just ended up through some um, financial hardships and were brought out.
0: And then how did you navigate being in that space of laid off? Because I feel like there's two different directions you can go. There's the, I'm going to cry right now, but I'm going to get back to applying to these jobs later. Or did you just take a break and like kind of try to find yourself? I know you created your next role, but how, what were some of the steps you took to get out of that funk? Because when you get laid off, there is a little bit of a funk that comes with it.
1: It is. And so this is what I say is not about look, chance, not what happens to the bad intervention. So I was a foster kid, right? And I was used to being let down, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I took the same stance towards everything in life. Right? Life is not where you come from; it's where you decide to go. Um, And I took a reflective stance. I looked in the mirror and said, "Okay, their loss, not yours. Now what?" Got together, created my vision board so I can be able to see it clearly. It's one thing to say it, but it's another thing when you can physically put your eyes on it. And I just took. I wrote down my path and believe it or not, everything came to fruition um, just the way I wrote it. Now, people say I have this spirit of manifestation. I told you, I try not to say that, but they do. So it's a lot of times I say things and it just it, it happens. Um, so I put it down and wrote it down and literally it came to fruition. I mean, I did skip it. I worked for IBM, but you know, that's fine. That's actually where I went before my company launched. So I was at IBM. Remember, my company was doing contracts. So I had contracts for IBM, TransUnion, but these was all as an uh, entity as, of myself. So whatever I did, I did it really quickly and I did it really well.
0: Now that you mentioned IBM, I have to ask, so how what was your experience working for like one of the larger companies?
1: At the time. So I think IBM was more um, I think they wasn't as people centric um, as they should have been um of course there was no diversity and inclusion it just so happened the team in which i was on which the linux team
0: mm-hmm.
1: um they were they were they were so emotionally segregated it was ridiculous um
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean it, it, just let's just be honest and i was always outspoken and i think that helped in an instance because they couldn't stand you when you said it but they couldn't refute it right yeah so like it was like somebody was like i was like excuse me do anybody see the elephant in the room Let's talk about it. We're going to keep not going to keep walking past it um, ultimately. So when you got there at first, you were uncomfortable um, as time passed, because I was a, a cybersecurity subject matter expert for them. And, went and when that actually happened, you're sitting here and you're like, um, OK, the evolution of Christ. It felt like the evolution of Christ had happened. You had some people that like this one guy was hella smart. Mm-hmm. But he had this theory that nobody can be smarter than him. And to me, that's just not smart thinking. Right. Because smart people hire smart people. Um, And if you thought that your boss wasn't smart for hiring, you you shouldn't be here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so like, but that, that has that has something to do with the people. Like he would literally say, well, I'm the smartest person here. And I'm looking at him like, mm-hmm. yeah, but somebody hired him. So to me, that takes shots at people or it's the way you may look at your boss. Don't get me wrong. Not, back in the days, you could have been, had a business degree and ran a technology department, which was one of their flaws because the person had no idea what the hell that you were talking about. And it's hard to guide you if I don't know what the hell you're talking about.
0: Right. So... Um,
1: IBM was a little convoluted for me, but eventually we became more like a family. Even when I got married, the people flew out to Dominican Republic to be at the wedding. So it was really, really uh we made it what it is. And to this day, the two people we still call sisters and brothers, we're still in connection. And neither one of us at, I, at IBM anymore.
0: That's good to hear. And one thing I want to touch on that you mentioned is your outspokenness. And being a black woman in tech, you definitely have to use your voice. So were you always outspoken or was this is something that grew over time.
1: I was born this way. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> I was born this way. I call it a blessing and a curse. Um, like I said, I don't know if, if it had something to do with going through the foster system. I just know my 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 caseworker would say to me all the time, "You don't seem like you in the foster system." I said, "What does that seem like?" Um, And she was like, you're just, it's just something different about you. So it wasn't even now in retrospect, I think I had three within the last five years, you had three people that went through the foster system with me, reach out. Um, And they told me all these things I did when I was like 14, 15 and 16, I would have never knew that I was this particular way. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems like I was the same. I am now. I just elevated a little bit more from a a spiritual realm. And they tell me how I I said certain things and it kind of dictated or guided their future um like this one guy he was like I came out with a book and you're in it um and I'm like oh. I'm in it I don't even remember him so um <laughs> but but I, I allow God to use me I assume and um they just was like you were always just so positive so I've been the same way even um through my own turmoil um so I'm just sitting here and I'm like okay and then another guy he was like I remember when I said I wanted to um I wanted to be a mortician he said and, people in the circle would laugh at me. And he said, you the one stood up. He said, you didn't realize we were all looking at you, right? And I said, oh, okay. I still didn't know it until he said it. Um, and he said, you stood up and you grabbed my hand and you said, okay, so what's the first thing we're going to do? He said, Terry, I didn't know what I was doing. You didn't know what I was doing, but I own three funeral homes today. Mm. So not even knowing then, um, I, I was used. I was being used when I was small and it just continued to propagate.
0: It's the power of the tongue, right? Speak some positivity. Right. So like one thing I just
1: did for my team, which is really, really funny, and it has something to do, you're going to pay attention to how a lot of leadership people think. So I was like, it's easy to make your team a card to get them a gift card and tell them you appreciate them. That's right. easy, right. right? I ain't want to do that. I want to remodel my whole office. But guess what? I'm the one that put the floor in. I didn't order them desks that were put together. I got a screwdriver and put this shit together myself. I painted the walls. My wife came in to help me. Um, and one of my executives, he walks in and he said, You're you make too much money to be on the floor. It's like it, I and I in my head, I'm thinking the devil is trying to use him to do everything to deter me. Right. From, um, but I'm not gonna allow that to happen. So first he says, You make too much money to be on the floor. And I looked at him and I said, Excuse me. Because now you, you know, you're projecting however you feel on me. You know, and right. I, just, I just, with, then he turns around and says, It's not gonna even make a difference to your team. That you're doing all of this. And I said, you know what? Either get a screwdriver or get the hell out of my office. So if you're not going to help. What you do with your team is what you do with your team. But Right. My, me and my team operate in a different stance. And I'm going to tell you. So we, I, I finished it up. We put positive words everywhere, you know, because I believe a product, you know, whatever you do in your environment, it, it can project. Um, throughout your day, daily occurrences, I put a mirror at the front door um, and it says, hey, greet me because I tell my team all the time. I need you to introduce yourself to yourself before you introduce yourself to me, because mm-hmm. we all are flawed and we go through life. And it's even a resemblance to me. Sometimes I got to check my shit at the door because if I don't check it, it, it'll come out the wrong way throughout the rest of my day. You know, some people don't know how to distinguish business from pleasure.
0: Right. Um,
1: so and then we do this thing called. Um, Tuesdays, we might smack you with a card of inspiration. We'll go through the entire damn building, uh, administration <laughs> building. Don't, we don't care. Um, so like, and it's crazy because a lot of people can't stand technology. Well, that's that's not been our case in this department. Now everybody's trying to get in technology. And I'm like, this is weird. Um, and people was like, Can I just come to y'all um y'all stand-up meeting in the morning? we just need, need that that the edge of motivation? And I'm like, that to me it says a lot and it, show, it shows um tech- Technology departments are, well, I know about every technology department, but it shows that my technology department has evolved and it's growing in the upward direction. Um, and it's something we wasn't used to seeing because everybody always talking crazy about technology because they don't want to use it. But that's now that's not our case. So I'm excited about that.
0: It sounds like from your perspective, most of the teams or people that you have interacted with from like a leadership perspective really appreciate what you bring to the table. So from your perspective, what do you feel you bring to the table when it comes to leadership?
1: I think I'm um it's what they call um <laughs> they call it vulnerable. Um, but I don't think I think I do show an element of humanness and I show that I'm not um no greater um than my team. I'm not afraid to to grab the broom and allow them to hold the dust and or vice versa, because I believe it's teamwork that makes the dream work. Um and I I have to even force a lot of executives to get on the same boat. Like you had one executive, I ain't going to say no names. I I was sweeping one day and she was like, sweeping is for peasants.
0: Mm. What? For peasants? (laughs) Girl.
1: I said, excuse me. Um, Then I said, you want to elaborate? I'm not going to stop sweeping. So I don't forget where I came from. And I think if we had the same notion and we realized, yes, we have evolved. But if you start to act a particular way like you're better than the people in which you're servicing, you are already doing them a disservice. Yeah. We don't want to teach those type of people. We want to teach them to be people that actually care about other people and they can reach back for them. Not saying they necessarily have to, but knowing how to is key because we're trying to grow as a people. And um, it just kind of made me uh, go back to our slavery times. And I promise you, girl, we was at like an administration retreat before you knew it. I'm like, yo, we the Willie Lynches of America. <laughs> 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 and everybody was like, what? I was like, what? You know, literally, we're the only race that runs people over with a bus and ain't nobody in here got a CDL. Can somebody explain that to me? I I mean, I spoke spoke about it. I don't care.
0: And I think we're at a point where it needs to be spoken about. Why are we still, there's an elephant in the room. We're all just sitting here looking at each other. Are we really not going to comment or say anything about it? That's dumb at this point. Because we all see it. And a lot of us have experienced more than people let on. You know, the crazy part though, my entire
1: administration is black. It's only two white people. I mean, I mean, it's so great to be around a lot of uh, black successful people, but I've never seen this type of dynamic um, in any operation that I've been with. So I think that's the hardest part is seeing seeing the ones that's talking crazy are the ones that look like me.
0: Wow, (laughs) I think you are probably the first person I've interviewed that's actually said
1: that. I'm just being honest, you know. Um, So you look at them and you're like, huh, and. They kept even, they even tried to make fun. They was like, here she comes this positive stuff. I'm going to tell you how that positive stuff uh, matriculated on my entire floor. Next thing you know, everybody was putting me in carpet. Now they talked about me when I was doing it, but it was really because they didn't think about it. Right. Right. Um, but, but now you go down a the hole, they all got your carpet, just the, probably a different color. Now all the walls are painted and now people are hanging up positive words. And that's why I just say, continue to do what you're doing. It'll matriculate. It's a, it's a, a reason and a season for everything. And I feel like when God is talking to me, I just listen and I move in those and I move, I'm really actionable. I ain't gonna sit there and listen forever. I'm like, okay, I gotta get moving. without want to keep being in this conversation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And a, a lot of people need to hear that, that you have to actually, there's some action that has to go behind all of these, you know, all the instructions and um, revelations that you're given. Mm-hmm. I still, I just can't get over that. It's like people that look like you who are telling you and trying to discourage you from doing something that's positive. Yes.
1: Yes. Yep. And you know, um, and you like, this is literally to me, an African American organization, majority of the leadership is black and majority of the workers are black. So my thing is if we don't put something out there and we're not a particular way to show our people that, um, something can happen. Something, something great can happen. Um, like for instance, so we had a lot of people were being hired in and they were new and I had the opportunity to to promote somebody that was internal and I took it and I took it for two reasons. She deserved it. She earned it. Um, she worked tirelessly. Um, I had even provided her, um, a, a tutor to be able to help her so that she had an opportunity, um, when the interview came, cause I was like, baby, I'm an interview like any other place you got if you don't if you can't pass them you can't say I didn't give you the tools to succeed cuz right. that mattered to me right mm-hmm. but to me it also did i think it was doing something to shift the, the change or the morale within the company um it was showing the people that were there that they had the opportunity to grow as well we shouldn't bring a new person in for every position when you have some people that can actually be moved up ma'ams and sirs um so the, one, the woman, literally, the, the numbers were so close in proximity. I think it was one digit off from the internal candidate and external candidate. And I said, OK, I'm going with the internal candidate. Um, she's been here for five years already. So she has a sense um, for the organization. And I believe she can evolve. Um, and she is doing amazing. She's actually been um, sitting in her, her role now for about a month. Uh, and I'm just so excited for it. But it also was more like a $15,000 pay increase for her. So I'm really excited for that, too. Um, but it's like this... I don't, I don't understand if we don't, it's one, I don't want to be a person that just talks about it. Um, that's not effective change. Um, to me, that's, I'm talking about it. Uh, we have to make a conscious effort to actually do something about it.
0: Yes. And Terry, from my experience of knowing you and learning your story is that you always help people. And I just want you to tell one more story in regards of helping a team member. Cause I remember, I think there was, I think it was a young man that was on your team and was it helping him like get a degree or something of that yeah, nature? And he,
1: and he smacked me in my face with the truth and he won one. one. Yep. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so, but that was a lesson learned, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so what, what I did was I sit down, I sit down with you. I don't tell you what your dream is, I ask you. So we sit down, we go over your short term and your long-term plan. And this particular person was like, man, I want to be a network engineer, okay? So let's put a plan together to make that, that dream achievable. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. We sat down and I figured out a way um, to make him an associate network engineer once he acquired his CCNA, which he did. And he had his associate's degree. So once he did that and then we put him on the road to um, actually get his bachelor's and we were paying for it which was amazing. And mind you, I was still a contractor for this op- organization. Now, of course, they they ended the contract and hired me directly. They just like to get this, like, well, we need Terry. So it was kind of exciting. Um, but so they, that, that, and that just happened in April, believe it or not. So I was um, I was a contractor at this organization for the last three years, going through uh, the company in which I was the CIO slash CISO for. And they brought me out of that contract and made me their CIO. So um, they, let, they let you know you're doing something right. Right.
0: <laughs> right. But uh,
1: yeah. So I thought that was it. I was like, what is going on? So I'm excited about that. But it's also now I'm here with all these black executives and just trying to um, being able to understand their logic. Um, I haven't been with all white people now I'm with all black people. And I'm, I'm here to tell you there is no variance and difference between the colors It's the people.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: and people have to people have to be people oriented. But let's get on back to this guy. So I went here, helped him get this degree, girl. So because I was not an employee, I couldn't check in with HR. So the way I found out was uh, the CFO, something had gotten to him. I guess they were going through an audit um, because HR had never notified me like, hey, he's not turning his tuition reimbursement. I didn't find out until it was time for him to graduate, which was two years later. He didn't have one credit.
0: No, <gasps> not one credit, not
1: one. So ma'am, he, so he allowed y'all to pay him an uh, increase uh, to become an associate network engineer. and did not fulfill his part of obligation. Um, and then, you know, it kind of took me back for a loop because instead of even being honest, like he lied on me and everything, girl, to other people, like she just got it out for me. No, you didn't. Cause he ended up uh, quitting or whatever, because he was demoted. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Instead of saying he didn't fulfill his obligation, he was telling people, "Hey, I had it out for him," and they was like, "That don't sound like Terry." <laughs> I was like, "Girl, see, so it's a good thing I heard." I was like, "But that, you know, I was like that just, but literally, that's what he tried." So yeah, but it hurt my heart because I really wanted to see him evolve. Um, at twenty-one, some people get drinks. He got a wife, so I was trying to make it where they can be okay. Um, if he would have acquired his, um, he was when I met him, he was twenty-one. But at this time now, he's twenty-three. Um, I'd have moved him from 25 grand to 47. If he would have finished his degree, he would have been at 60 grand by the time he before he was, up, I mean, 25. Like that doesn't happen for everybody.
0: Right. Moral of the story, though. So. So I. what I learned is you can't
1: want something more for somebody than they want for themselves. So you have to make um, take some do some due diligence. Right. So now mm-hmm. I do some due diligence. I ain't you ain't going to be blowing no whistle up my tail feather. <laughs> I got to make sure you actually want this um, mm-hmm. and then put some things in place for you to, to show me some accountability steps to show me. This is what you want. And when you can do that, um, I'm always willing to help you. But I'm only helping people that are helping themselves.
0: I, I mean, I feel that because then you're wasting your energy on something. If you you know don't you do know? the due diligence, wasting your time.
1: Yeah. And look, did I create the whole program? We didn't even have this program. And, and I'm like, we're going to do this for him. I don't know what y'all are talking about, but we're going to do this. Mm-mm.
0: and I think that a lot of people though if given the chance to have like a leader or a manager like that oh so many people will be in a whole different place than they are right now yeah so you'd mentioned like how you know everything would aligned for you when you're at different jobs and you would continue to accelerating you were accelerating at a quick rate but if someone who's listening is looking to get c-suite level what are like some tips and advice that you have for them
1: you know what um I always say, listen, if you don't know, if you don't know agile, use it or or learn it. Um, Not saying it's got to be a applicable framework, but it's really, really good um, of learning how to collaborate Um, and make sure you read a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a, a Team. Right. Because I guarantee you in executive leadership, you're going to run into those some of those areas. And in life is 10% what happened, 90% how you respond. So learning how to respond accordingly can get you um, in places and doors that you never knew that existed. But study, 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 study. We, so I feel like um, as African-American, and, you know, I tell these people all the time, I don't feel like I've had the opportunity to go into a place and don't know the answers. Um, they expect you to have the credentials. They expect you to know the knowledge. And um, I don't know if, you know, and I tell my father all the time, dad, I don't know if this is something that happened because a black person once felt this way and, and told everybody else and, and, and it, it went through the, the network or is this something that's really, really true? But I know sometimes I still, I still say the same thing. And what I did was extract all negativity out of your mind, right? If you believe it, you can achieve it. And if you really want it, get you a vision board, write it down, take the uh, the steps. So if, it, if you look at the job description, you're like, I want to go in this company. This company say, I need a master's. Let's acquire the things in which this company's saying, but I want you to think about it like this. I'm looking at this same job three years ahead of time. I'm doing it from a future analysis. So if I'm thinking I need a master's now, I'm going to need a little bit something else. So let's think about what master's and then what um, certifications can help bring me out in the light because you want to be able to stand apart from the competition. But the one thing that school cannot teach you is passion. If you're not passionate about what you do, it no not matter what you study or how long you study it. And I tell people all the time, you do what you love. The money will follow. And then I have been a prime example of that. Um, and I, I I charge you to move in the same light because it's possible it's something you really, 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 really desire.
0: I want us to elaborate on because you said a couple of times obviously we all know like we have to go on with the answers if you didn't know now you know you have to go in as a black person in tech you have to go in knowing the answers how did you do that did you just continuously study on particular topics like what is your I guess process for knowing everything
1: so um I'll, I'll take the answers when I went into broadcast and I knew no broadcast I just knew how to turn on tv at home yeah. <laughs> so um uh what I did was I would take my off time and I would go into our network closet and I went through every book we had. So I would um segment it for days. So if they're talking about the Pelco server, I understood what the Pelco server was. Um mm-hmm. by the time it was over, I could be able to solder a uh, uh, a board, a chip, or a, me- a mechanism inside of a device, and, and make it a brand new device. Something I had never did before. But the more and more I studied, um, I understood what a capacitor and a resistor was. And to me, it was it was nothing um, out of the ordinary or sort. But I think we have to. Re- we really have to be honest with ourselves. We have to continually learn, um, no matter who we are. And we are a people. It are resilient. We can do this. If you think about it, we were creating. Um, refrigerators and we couldn't even read right so mm-hmm. what do you think you can do with the power and i think we just we just have to read read, read read now don't get me wrong if you're going into the c-suite you ain't gonna really be you have to really ha- have a, a good grasp on operations right um and then think about how operation alignments work but i think it's really really important if you got to go get a book on what a CFO is, or if you gotta go get a book on what a CEO is to be able to kind of understand what the job is, to understand what uh, is encompassed in that job, then you'll understand how to talk to your audience. Um, And sometimes a lot of people have to learn that on the fly, but why? You don't, it don't have to be reinvented. It already exists. Just, and get you a mentor that's really, really important because somebody that's gonna be openly honest with you and you have to be able to take some constructive criticism, not no destructive criticism, but some constructive criticism.
0: You know what, Tara? We also haven't talked about, and I've heard this with other people that I interview, but also the building relationships part. Do you think that's important, especially with trying to be in the C-suite?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's important um, for building relationships, no matter what seat you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't care if you're a system administrator, the team in which you are on, you it, it isn't important to build a relationship with them because you guys have to cover one another um so i I do this thing with my team because i got all these weird personalities it's funny so i i start i just recently started this we were all standing in a circle and i just started throwing something and i'll call because i got some new people on my team and i'll call a person's name and he's just talking to me and i'm like hey why don't you throw the ball to the other person all of a sudden we're throwing this ball this one ball in different directions and i might call your name and you drop it and i'd be like listen That can't happen. I need you to still be attentive because if you only got one network engineer and he can't do it, who's going to back him? So ultimately, we kept playing this game. And now all of a sudden, we got three balls in rotation. We're talking, we're laughing. Nobody is missing the beat. And I think that's the way things should flow, but it's being able to teach them or hold them accountable on when the ball is in their hand. Um, But it's one thing, if you notice, we still allowed them to know the ball was coming to them because communication is everything. So even if I called your name, hey, um, you know the ball is coming, but they had to be able to understand the mechanism of it. which is just a collaboration tool. Communication is everything on every level, and building a relationship is everything on every level. Not just the C exec, not just the C suite. I think a lot of times when you get in the C suite, people flock to you to um, to build relationships with you. You just have to be able to figure out um, if they're genuine or not, because not everybody is um, have your best interests at heart. So you have to be able to kind of have a spirit of discernment.
0: Yes, spirit of discernment is so important in the workplace and in life in general. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) I also want to go back and talk about communication because I feel like we all define communication differently. So what makes someone a good communicator? Like what can someone do to identify that they are an actual good communicator as opposed to some people just have to communicate a lot, and they consider themselves a good, a good communicator. And it's like, mm, actually, not. I always have to ask myself what you're even talking about. But okay, what are you talking about? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So those are my two good questions. So, in my opinion, because all I can give you is my opinion, um, I believe what makes you an uh, effective communicator is when you're able to write in layman terms um mm-hmm. just because you are highly technical that does not mean ma'am oh think, let's think about from a doctor you go to the doctor and he like well you have a my- myocardial infraction you're like what just tell me I got a heart problem <laughs> right think to me in terms of which I can understand him um instead I got to go google what this man is talking about um and I think we do the same thing in technology right like nobody knows all of these acronyms um, yet we talk to people as if they do. So when I, even if I'm writing out a maintenance, a maintenance um, email, because I make sure that they come for me. Um, I'm really, really, I'm really conscientious on the audience. Um, Terry, don't you start talking to these people like this? And I have to talk to myself because sometimes I need, and people say, why do you talk to yourself? Because sometimes I need expert advice. So
0: that's,
1: <laughs> so that's why I talk to myself. So, um, but I think it has a lot to do with communication. And at first, When I first started doing this, I promise you, people were like, no responses. It was like crickets. So I realized, and then somebody was like, Terry, what in the hell is TSM? Or what is TLS 1.2, 1.4? And I was like, oh, you're right. So I went back to the drawing table, um, came with a new, hey, Terry, meet people where they are and not what you desire for them to be. And now every time I send out communication to the entire staff, they're like, thank you so much. We appreciate it. And they're responding because they understand now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So and then you always have to survey your audience. Right. Don't assume people understand what the hell you're talking about. Right. If you have the possibility from a department perspective to be able to survey um, people, do it because that feedback will ultimately make you a better individual as well as your team because you guys are reflected to one another.
0: OK, that's some great advice. Now I'm got me over here thinking about how I communicate with people when I'm on the project. <laughs> hey, look, that's what it's all about.
1: Like I tell people all the time, we all are good now on retrospect. Um, if you, th- I mean, I, mean, I know the NBA, the Bucks just won. So I'm, I'm going to say something about the NBA, the, the Adekunbe brothers alone. Right. Mm-hmm. Three of them now have rings. Right. Right. But <laughs> but neither one of their parents were in sports. When When you think about uh, so <laughs> you're like, what? They were they were not in sports. But one thing they learned really, really well was how to communicate with one another. The brothers began to talk on the court because it was unspoken body language and it was the power of the tongue. So mm-hmm. I can speak to you and you can understand my language um, between one another. But then at the same time, I can be unspoken body language is just as more powerful. Um, and I, we don't even check that, right? So when we say communication, we have to be able to check every sector. Now, I'm not saying you might have to work on one at a time, but that unspoken body language, I'd be having to check myself, girl. I'd be putting my mask on because sometimes I'd be shocked that my face be telling it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, it, then it, they'd be like, you have any questions, Terry?" I'm like, uh-uh. And it was like, yes, you do. It's on your face. And I was like, no, I don't have any questions. My face just had a response. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> So being able to be clear and then it made people laugh. And it was like, we don't, we're not going to deal with Terry. But I was really, really serious. It made no sense. And even if it was a leader that was saying it, I would never say it in front of a bunch of people. I would go personally have a um, kumbaya moment with an closed door. Like, what the hell was that? Like, well, I, have you thought about this, this, and this? Oh God. Yeah. You might want to go back to the drawing board because this shit ain't going to work. But it's being able to be um realize you're going to be uncomfortable. That's the hardest thing about communication. Not all of it is comfortable. But you have to be able to say, hey, I I can expect some kind of uncomfortability if it's going to actually get me to become a better or greater in my area.
0: Exactly. And Terry, do you have any any like resources for people who are looking to become better communicators? Yeah.
1: Believe it or not, Corsair or whatever, they got a great course um, on communication um, and it's called Communication and Leadership. Uh, forget that to say it's leadership because it has nothing to do with leadership, but it's communication, period. I think it's a really, really great resource that you guys can use. And after this, I can actually send you three links um, of something I use all the time, um, even in my current role. So,
0: Yes, well, we. I'll put those three links in the show notes so that everyone has access. And to wrap up our conversation today, I just have a few more questions for you about your career path and what you've experienced as a C-suite individual. First question I have, you have been in a variety of roles. You started off as the intern and now you're here. I want you to tell people how they can be successful in tech. Like, Give me some characteristics that helped you be successful and go up the ladder so quickly.
1: I think the one thing is the hardest thing to do and is actually knowing who you are and what you want. I've had the the luxury of knowing that for a very, very long time, um, even um, as an adolescent. um, And I just kind of moved in that entity. Um, But you have to know what you want to be able to obtain it. Um, A lot of us, when we talk in broad terms, we say, I want to go into technology. That's very broad. You got to be a little bit more specific. So that way you can be able to kind of get your specialty on so you can get where you're trying to go. Um, But it's it's you being able to understand where you want to go um if in in some cases if it's like going to college and you just don't know but you know you you want that to be your major i say pick three things and look at the prerequisites and make sure they tie back back to each other so you're not just wasting your time you do the same thing with with work um okay so if i want to do this i don't know if i want to be an analyst i don't know if i want to be a project manager you find something that can be able to kind of give you a niche in all three of them so you can always have the power of choice um you don't want to be stuck um, in one position if you know that you don't see yourself doing that for life. But the one thing, like I said, passion, passion, passion. Follow your heart, not your mind. Um, sometimes we, our mind can have us thinking things a little bit too much. We get too damn analytical. Um, mm-hmm. And it can it, it can leave us in a, a shamble, right? But if you truly, truly, truly care about something, I am not talking about the companies. So the, the the thing that scares me the most with the younger generation is they quit jobs as quick as they cut off their Facebook page. Um, <laughs> it's um, so true. And they do, they do. And a lot of them feel like the company owe them something, which is not, not true. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the company don't owe you something, but you know who do owe you something is you. So when you go look in that mirror um, and you think about how you want to be remembered, you put your best self forward. Um, and I, I, I tell these kids all the time, because including my nieces, I'd be having to have those God sent conversations with them. But just recently I was at work and my 19 year old called me um, she was excited because she just finished a semester of college. She did really, really well. Um, she took my advice and she just got a scholarship for uh, the next semester. And she's like, auntie is covering everything. And I literally got $500. They just gave it to me. <laughs> so and I was like, okay, mind you, auntie paid for her last semester, right? I don't mm-hmm. have any kids, but I would never tell her she can't go to college. I was upset, girl. girl listen, I, was, I, was, I was writing a check like my sister need her ass whooped. <laughs> got me. Got <laughs> <laughs> me. Listen, got me out here. I ain't I I ain't sad up for this girl. You got four kids. You better figure this out. So like um so I helped her anyway. Um, because I didn't want to see uh, you know, I realized this really meant something to her. And she was just excited to say, yo, auntie, hey, I realized and I was talking to somebody else, I "I really did well. Um, my nieces are 21, the oldest ones are 19, and they call me at every instance. That means you put enough in them where they say my auntie is going to guide me correctly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i want her to know everything good bad and ugly because some stuff you like did she really come into this but yeah good bad and ugly it's like uh you're they look at you as and she'll tell you like you want to I, I love you auntie you one of my closest friends
0: uh-huh. like, oh my god
1: yeah so um i'm like so i did i did i didn't do too well but it's probably because they ain't live with me girl they probably couldn't stand me if i was like mom okay <laughs> so i do i do realize that too um so, cause I can't be a little overbearing, but anyway, that's another, that's a topic for another day, but make sure you guys stay focused because it does, it does. I promise you, it may not look like it's adding up then, but it's going to help portray who you, your character is all you have. So you do need to check your character. Um, you make sure you know what you want to do in life. Um, have some passion for what you are doing. Cause if there's no passion, you ain't going to stay there. I don't give a damn what they paying you. If you don't, I did did it. You chase the money, and you can be unhappy. Uh, at one point, I was making three hundred grand a year, and I was miserable. You hear me? Miserable. Mm-hmm. I walked away from that money so quick. I said, "Listen, it's nice to be able to buy more shoes, but not like this, <laughs> right? <laughs> not, not, not like this." Um, at one point, I, I had to lay off thirty-five people, and oh, I couldn't wow. sleep. I could not sleep. And you sitting here, and I got a sixty thousand dollars bonus. And these people just got laid off. No, I quit, and I I went to my dad, and I was like, Dad, I I can't do it. You know, I didn't understand that. Like, that doesn't make you know how many jobs you could have saved versus paying out these bonuses, you, that type of stuff. Um, and I realized. Some people really just don't care about regular people um, that way. So since that was my case, I extracted myself from that situation and I, and I figured God blessed me in a situation where that was no longer my concern. He put me in a position where some people knew change had to occur and some people wanted it. Um, and I, you know, so if it don't change, if it don't challenge you, it don't change you. And I want you guys to remember that no matter what you're doing in life. If ultimately you want to be something, if you're not challenged, you're not going to change but you must be willing to change.
0: Mm, And Terry, any final words or advice that we didn't cover in today's episode that you want to tell my listeners?
1: If you're not in cybersecurity, bring your ass down here and get back in. We we need you. We need you um, so bad. Um, When you think about why... The governments or the UK are ahead of us. It's because it's just like the Queen's gamut. They learned a long time ago that the forces together were greater than one. And if you just think about the Queen's gamut, by the time we figured it out, she won when all those great minds decided to come together. Uh, and I think that's the same thing that we have to do in cybersecurity. Let's stop thinking about how far they're ahead and let's do something we ain't never did get strategically aligned with one another, so we can actually evolve, but we can't do it without you because I promise you your brain, your thought process is something that's needed. It's something that has never been invoked because you haven't brung your ass over here yet. So go get you a CISSP. If that's what you need, some ethical hacking figure out which area you want to go in Whether it's network security, application security, because that is important. Um, Project infrastructure, project management, just come on. I'm saying come on. We need you right now. Um, and we can't do this without you. And McKay, you can even come to Cyber Security if you want to, you know what
0: I'm saying? I mean, we need some help over there because I'm tired of everything getting to happen except for my uh student loans, so might as well just you know. That's what I'm trying to
1: say. What well, they don't want to help us, they just want to hurt us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. Terry, one final question because you're telling people to come for cybersecurity what's like one be it a baby step that people can do to get into cybersecurity is it take the exam that you mentioned or is there something else that they well, can do? Yeah. Look,
1: something that's really is something called Security Plus. Um so Security Plus is a exam you can actually um take and then you have um I, if people that's into Linux, I would do Security Plus and Linux. Um but anyway, people that in windows, you can do uh, MCSA um, so that you can be able to show them you have, uh, you know how to put your key in the ignition ignition um, and drive the, well, I would say turn the car on. The MCSC will teach me you know how to drive around the blocks. Um, so, but it's just being able to show them, hey, I'm vested in this and then get find your internship because, you know, the f- first thing they're going to say is where you experience it. And I know that sometimes that's unrealistic, but they got some great. Mentorship programs out like the ICMNP, which is the International Consortium of Minority Cybersecurity Professionals. I actually have two mentees through there. Um, well, they have a great mentorship program to be able to help uh, minority individuals get into the cybersecurity lens. It's a company called Tech LX. a bunch of companies doing the same thing, even Cybersecurity Divas, um, which is trying to bridge the gap of minority women um, in technology. Just get behind one of these organizations figure out how you can get an internship. And I guarantee you, some of them can even help you get jobs just about showing your passion and exposing who you really are.
0: And on that note, Terry, thank you for all of the advice and experience that you share with my listeners today. I really appreciate it. No problem, buddy. Thanks for listening to Black Tech Unplugged. I'm Dina McKay, and you can find the podcast on all social media platforms, including Instagram and Facebook under Black Tech Unplugged. And if you haven't already, Please go subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this episode on. If you have a few extra minutes, make sure to leave a five-star review too. It would help me out and help other people find the podcast. And lastly, don't forget to vote for the Black Tech Unplugged South by Southwest 2022 panel, which is called Code Switching, Lifestyle or Necessary Evil, where myself and some panelists will be discussing if code switching is actually a good or bad thing in the workplace. The link to vote is in the description of the podcast as well as in the show notes at blacktechunplugged.com. So vote up for the panel and help me out. That's all for this episode. Until next time.